look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli and my co-host here, Dave Popowich. How are you doing, sir? It's been a wild ride of a week. Um, I'd like to make an announcement. Okay. I'm announcing my retirement. Yeah. In seven days, 55 hours and 35 years, I'm going to retire. That's pretty good. Not bad, eh? I'm making it official. It's a little earlier than I thought, but so (laughs) be it. You have two little beautiful little girls, and they're going to require lots of support from you. You're here for 45, sorry Uh, to tell you. Yeah, well, I just realized that I was seven numbers off of that that Lotto Max, so... I am going to be here for another 35 years. Well, good, because... 45, according to your math. Thanks. We might need Thanks, between 35 and 45 years to make sense of all that's going on right now. <laughs> Anyways, we have to do that in about a 10 or 20-minute segment, so we'll try to compress it. But all right. Listen, we got a pretty cool show today. We're going to, um, we're going to talk about how retirement really feels. Now, we, we obviously talk about um, retirement, but the journey, the process that people go through, real people in real life, I think is really uh, informative for people that are approaching retirement or living in retirement. Yeah, it's the human aspect behind the numbers because we always talk about numbers or can you get there or what's your magic number on the retirement side. Let's talk about what's the human side behind that math. We're going to do that today. And then uh, you don't want to miss the conversation about the latest initiatives. By our industry, the investment industry, we've got an aging demographic. And what does that mean as people start facing health issues, things like dementia where you diminished capacity, elder abuse we've talked about, what, 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 what should you set up as a protection for yourself and your family? I think if you are in retirement or you have parents that are in retirement, you should definitely listen to that one part because that's going to be very important to find out some of the clues. The conversations we have with clients, yep. we can kind of identify if there's, there's something wrong, yep. right? And, and if you're living away from your family members or you're, you're just not as um, uh, in that kind of a conversation like we get with our clients, um, you might want to be, you know, no, tipped that your your loved one is going through uh, a tough time right, right. now. But it's not it, it's not as easy as you might think, and we'll talk Correct. a little bit about that now. Um, I'm talking at a pace that is about five times faster than I normally do because we got so much happened this week. Okay, slow it down, my friend. Okay, slow we have to try to make sense of it. Let's let's talk about how people can come to our seminar first and talk about all the issues that we're going to be talking about. Okay, all let's right? do that. Okay, so let's talk about we're going to have our first Monday session. Normally, we have it on Tuesdays. Yep. We're going to have our first Monday session on June 18th, 7 p.m. At the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits, you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. We're going to talk about, partly, how to make sense of what's going on. I mean, just think about this week alone. What a crazy week. Yeah. Right? Think about this week alone. Uh, We all just bought a pipeline. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. We're all owners. Thank I'm you. not surprised, but congratulations. Yeah, yeah, we had that happen. Um, did be... we start a trade war this week or not? Not sure yet, but we'll talk about that. Well, there were a lot of comments, a lot of a lot of things going There's on. There's a so... lot of mudslinging. Yeah, right? There's oh, some for trash sure. talking on and that. And it's court. not only the NAFTA issue. We, I have like all these documents about NAFTA in front of my in front of my desk, and and I was uh, reading through it. And it's not just NAFTA. This is one of the biggest risks that we talked about at the beginning. Of the, in fact, we talked about it late last year. Yeah, that trade war could be on on the plate. Yeah, well, that certainly was a risk, right? Yeah, and then let's talk about Italy. Yep. Geopolitical risk within their own country. Well, as, Spain in, too, like just Europe, right? Yeah. So, so politics, got, European politics. So this is the problem, is that you're going to get these types of concerns, issues, 
um, news pieces right. that are going to provide volatility. Mm-hmm. And it did. And, and the markets, when the Italian issue came out, man, that market took a hit, especially in the U.S., <laughs> right? So I, I'm, I'm going to play 10th man on this one and argue the other side for just a second. Because on Friday, you know, I was reporting uh, the VIX, which is a measure of volatility. We often volatility refer to it index. as the fear gauge. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it was down below 14. Now, let me put that in perspective for people who don't follow the VIX. Back in February, when things got interesting, it was trading at 50. Okay. So I find that very interesting, right? We had a very interesting week. I mean, the the pipeline aside, that's a local issue for us. Uh, NAFTA, maybe a localized North American issue, but trade wars also with the European Union, European politics. I don't think... Markets were actually all that volatile. It's funny how you use the volatility index. Being a bond guy, I thought you would use the 10-year U.S. government bond and all the bidding that happened in that. Active trading, right? Between sort of 2, 8, and 3. And you nailed it. Mm-hmm. Active trading. And I think there is the problem. We find that these types of news stories. And being in Alberta, talking to Albertans, the sentiment, generally speaking, because of all the news with pipelines, NAFTA, Oh my God! Um, Canada is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. Um, Those—that's the sentiment that we have, and sometimes our sentiment makes our decisions in our investments, well, in our retirement, in our portfolio. We're part of the news, and so I'm going to fault our, this this side of a little well, bit. We because report it. We report the news. Yeah, absolutely. we report the news, um, but the access to information, the speed at which news is coming, also I think plays a role in this, right? Because we're getting bombarded, and then. You know, uh, depending on the language that's being used, trade war. Is it a trade war? Is it a negotiating tactic? And yeah. This is the news versus noise story we talk about, right? And there was a ton of noise Correct. this week. And, and that causes concern in people's portfolio. And I think when the structure isn't proper, right. when you do not build your strategy properly and you are just picking a couple of good stocks because you think they're good at the time, yep. um, that's where you are at the mercy of this volatility. Right. And so when you look at our strategy using a growth bucket and an income bucket and that your cash flow, your income is not tied to the stock market. Your income is not tied to all this news. Your income is tied to what? Income. Right. That's it. Yep. Right. And the growth it has, a, has a longer time frame to go through this business cycle. And, and, and it's not just Canada. Right. And it's not just the U.S. There is money to be made around the world. And there's volatility, and in that volatility comes the opportunity. And I think when people are, and we've, we've met with many people at our recent seminar, and then uh, they showed us their portfolios, a few of them, and man, when I look at that, I'm like, how, how was the structure? Was it was the structure based on let's maximize growth? Right. Or was the structure designed that given the current economic conditions and your risk tolerance and your objectives of when you need this money, right. Should be all put together, and I think we're missing that. I think I hear I hear too many people talking about we should buy X Y Z stock and let's make a lot of money on that, but they forget the fact that there's a lot of risk in this market, and they don't protect themselves from it. Well, you can't call a portfolio a collection of good ideas at the time, or you can't call a collection of good ideas at the time a portfolio. And that's <laughs> way, yeah. yeah, that's the that's that's the problem. I think that's what you're speaking to. So proper structure, I think, is very important, and, and not separating on, the objectives. Yeah. When I hear that people are using, and I'll pick on this, dividends as the method of receiving their income for their retirement, I query that because dividends can be cut. 
So you have to pick the right companies. Right. You have to make sure there's no volatility. And you have to make sure you stick to that fixed income. Right. Because if you need extra income, guess where you're going to get it from? Right. You have to sell something to get it. Yep. And you're now encroaching on capital and it could be at a, at a major drop in the market. And it's amazing how many people have been trained in this in, in, in investing by just following get dividends equals good income. Good income means I can retire. Right. No, it doesn't. Right. It can actually kill your portfolio and more importantly, totally change your, your lifestyle yeah. in retirement. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's the big risk. And that's what we don't want anybody to have to suffer through. Okay, um, we're going to remind everybody about the upcoming seminar. Uh, you do that first, and then I'll give you an indication of what's coming up next. Yeah, let me go through more detail about how you build a five-pillar investment strategy approach. How do you profit and protect in these markets and how, how well the portfolio has performed from us? And we'll talk about that. On Monday, June 18th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits. You need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. And don't forget, that's a Monday, not a Tuesday yeah. on June 18th. Okay, I'm going to invite people to stick around for the fourth segment, too, because I think we'll pick up that whole conversation around all of the things that happened this week and try to make some sense out of it. But stay tuned, because after the break, we're going to talk about how retirement might really look for you and how to ease into it if you're worried about taking the plunge. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, I often find it really useful, Faisal, for, uh, like we talk academically often about markets and the process of retirement and the steps and so on and so forth. And it's, it's not an academic argument. This is a journey, right? This is, this is, people think of it as a destination. It's not. It's a human journey through the next stage of your life. And I often find it useful to touch base with people who have moved into retirement and then talk about their experience because it's sometimes not quite what they thought it was going <laughs> to be, right? It's, it's interesting. We talk about that honeymoon period and how it changes over time. Correct, so, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see what, what you know, someone who's gone through it or actually been reading about it to see how their perspective is it, of it is. So that's going to be very, a very nice little piece. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's bring the human element to retirement. We've got Ken Ogilvie who's going to join us today. He's a retiree. He's also an author. He's written about this process. Ken, welcome to the show. Great to be on it. Well, so let's uh, let's. This is about you, my friend, and uh, we're going to bring to life sort of the uh, what your expectations were. I hope about retirement, a little bit about your experience as you moved into retirement, and how the journey has been so far. But we're not. Let's just maybe start uh, start at the beginning. Give us a sense of how long you've been retired, and um, where are you in the process now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think these days there's probably no real word for retirement for many people. In my yeah. case, I still have a couple of boards and committees that I sit on, but. I think to me, retirement meant really not doing the the, the five day or twenty four seven type work that many jobs demand. Right. So suddenly you have time, you know, that you can plan for. So retirement was, yeah, you're not you're not there, you know, every hour of the day or pretty well um, doing work, you know, having deadlines uh, and so on. So retirement, I think, really means having time. Yeah, well, not a lot of time in my case. Right, and then the freedom—the freedom to do what you want. Because I, I think, I think we'll discover in talking to you and I, when we talk to our clients, it's it's not that people have a lot of time on their hands when they're retired. They seem to be awfully busy. But before we get into what you're doing, I'm, I would actually like to start the conversation. Just if you can give us a quick summary of, if you think back prior to retirement, what was your expectation of retirement? And then we can talk a little bit about how that journey has unfolded and the differences. But I am just curious, prior to being in retirement, what you thought it was going to be like. 
sure. Um, well, most of my life, I, I had uh, uh, jobs, and in fact, I was a director or executive director or so up till about ten years before retirement. At which point, I said, "Gee, this is just very wearying, and I enjoy it, but I'm going to actually go out and be on my own and do consulting." So I've had the a bit of a, a luxury of doing consulting for ten years, at, and and the early phases, I did a lot of work and was very busy. And towards the last few years, I was able to taper it down a bit. So I didn't go from a, a, a full-time job to full stop. I was right. able to kind of tailor it. And, and I think that's actually, I mean, even people in jobs can do that a bit too. It, you know, there's a certain pace, especially in today's world, that's very, very uh, wearying uh, with social media and uh, computers and, you know, the speed of things. So my expectation was that I would I would find a way to first taper down and have some time to start thinking about what I was going to do. Um, but of course, in the meantime, I started writing novels. And so uh, I suddenly ramped up on another level, but it was a more creative level. So I right. think that the creative side is really important. And the time to to, to think about what you want to do and then plan to do it is, is important. And I did that. Okay. And so, so matching so far into this journey um is it matching expectations so is it kind of rolling out or were there any big surprises for you um a few surprises but uh, mostly it's uh, just a sense of my goodness uh, you know how can i be 65 years old with uh, with good health and uh, you know living in a country like canada which is fabulous uh and um you know relative to everything that's going on in the world we're <laughs> despite trade disputes and so on, we're, we're doing very well. <laughs> Too soon, um, Ken. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was all good until a few days ago. But, uh, uh, but it, you know, I mean, we are very lucky. And, and so one of the senses I had was I, I am so lucky. And um, um, But the surprises come is there's this little time gremlin that watches you and says, ah, this person has spare time. I will fill it for you. Um, and, and what happens is you, you create things to do. I started golfing, you know, which I didn't have time to do during my career, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning that now. Um, but then you get all these calls, given the kind of environmental career I've had, to be on various boards and committees and to do all kinds of volunteer work, and you start doing that, and then you start to realize that takes a lot of time. So the little gremlin feel, you know, fills in your time, and then, but you still have the luxury of saying, gee, you know, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. It's something different. Yeah, one thing that that I I noticed about you know what you write about, what you talk about is is the emphasis on being physically fit, and, and that um, we find that many of our clients uh, either continue or start using uh, you know going to the gym and so forth and becoming more healthier. Uh, they take more time and effort in there. Um, but there are many Canadians at at the ages of between sixty to eighty years of age that just don't participate in physical activity. So for those who don't and may want to have a little bit of an extra nudge or a push from from someone like yourself who's who's going through this 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 journey, uh, what kind of viewpoints or, or recommendations or tips do you have for individuals who need to stay fit uh, through this process? Sure. I mean, one of the one of the really great things, depending on where you live, etc. But I'm in uh, downtown Toronto. I can walk to anything. Um, so actually, for a decade uh, before I retired, uh, my wife and I had two cars. We one of them was getting old and broke down, and and then the other one broke down. And we said, "Gee, do we even need a car?" 
Well, we have one now, but for 10 years, we didn't have one at all. And I got used to the idea that, well, I'll just walk and get things. And in Toronto, I can get on public transport. And so um, when you plan things, plan things that are within walking distance, or if you want a long walk, go for a long walk. And right away, you get that base um, that you never had. Um, I used to think, I, back in university, I used to run track. And and then I used to run afterwards for many years, um, you know, more longer distance, just um, recreationally. But um, I always thought I'm going to remain really fit, but I didn't. I kind of lost that towards the end of my career. And um, and then you start to say, well, I better start planning to do more and, and at a higher level. Uh, what you find, though, at age uh, 65 and beyond is, is there's a few things that have worn out a bit. And <laughs> you can't push as hard as you used to. Um, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, you tend to, to do more uh, lighter things, but, but even golf, which I've never done in, in really at all, other than the odd sporadic game until a couple of years ago, um, you put in six or seven miles, yeah. uh, pushing a cart around a track. I always make sure I push. I don't mm-hmm. carry my clubs. That would be a little bit hard. Um, but, uh, but you can put in, uh, if you put in a day or two a week at that, that's right away. You've got seven or eight miles or more of walking in in a day. Yep. So I think the first thing you tend to is not trying to become, you know, some super athlete, but just doing the basic stuff that, uh, that, that puts the walking or the basic exercise in place. Um, and if you're lucky, I live in a condo and right below me, there's a little exercise gym that I can go into and nobody hardly goes there, which is, I guess, testament to what you just said. There's a lot of retired people nearby and I don't see anybody in there. Yeah. So people aren't exercising, but it's like they've got a private gym. We've got to wrap it up fairly quickly, but before we do, I want you to, um, t- your number one tip. For somebody who's preparing for retirement, knowing what you know now, what, what's your number one tip? Um, I think it's mental. I think uh, get yourself something where you're using your mind you know, daily. It's just like your body. You have to exercise both, and they're both linked. So do the core walking and then do the mental exercise. In my case, it's writing books, but play chess, uh, do something, but keep your mind active. I think that's great advice. We'll have to leave it there, Ken. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Been joined by Ken Ogilvie. He's a retiree. He's also an author, as you've heard, and um, I, I thank him for sharing a little bit about his journey. We hear some similarities. There's, off, of course, differences, Faisal, uh, for everybody. Everybody's a bit different. The family dynamics are different. But the process, uh, there is a process that we go through, right, to make the transition out of that full-time, 24-7 paid employment that you got to be there yep. to whatever that next stage is going to look like for you. And we're going to talk about that process and how to build it properly. Correct. Yeah, from a financial structure, our four-bucket uh, asset dedication strategy is designed to bulletproof that retirement and you know ensure your lifestyle never retires. And that's going to be on Monday, June 18th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. And at that seminar, we're going to provide a copy of our book as well, uh, complimentary to anybody who attends. It's called Bulletproof Your Retirement. And it's not a workbook, Faisal. It's a book a little bit about the the narrative of that process of retiring following four client stories, right? So it's it's education through the human uh, through the human side of, of what the retirement process looks like. Okay, so we look forward to seeing you there. Now, after the break, you're going to be hearing about what new initiatives the investment industry has on the horizon to protect you as you get older. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. We've got 
uh, an industry, uh, sorry, a population, a demographic that is aging. Um, and with age, uh, sometimes comes uh, health concerns. And I can speak personally, my family's been touched by this, that sometimes those health concerns involve uh, things like dementia. Mm -hmm. um, and, and these have implications on, uh, on our industry and how we uh, handle people who might be facing those kinds of challenges to keep it in their best interest and to protect people from those who might want to take advantage of that. That's right. Right. And so it's going to become a bigger and bigger problem. And to help understand a little bit about uh, the industry and some of the things we're thinking about, where we're going to try to address some of these concerns, we've got Michelle Alexander joining us today. She's the vice president of the Investment Industry Association of Canada. Michelle, thanks for taking some time with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about this, this demographic shift that's happening. We're all aware that uh, as a population, uh, we've got the baby boom generation getting older, moving into retirement. Uh, and as we get older, as I said uh, at the outset, there are some challenges that, that may come with that. So tell us a little bit about what protections are currently in place for uh, you know, uh, our older loved ones or uh, you know, your own investment accounts if you're an older person. Um, and I would also want to emphasize uh, people talk about this wave of baby boomers uh, starting to enter retirement. But I think the, f the fact is the wave is already here. Right. Uh, they're already in retirement. We're seeing this more and more. Um, our um, member firms of the Investment Industry Association of Canada have been looking at this issue for quite some time. Um, and we're all on the same page in terms of wanting to make sure uh, seniors are adequately protected. And um, back in 2014, we uh, produced uh, a guidance report that uh, was sort of a rundown of the best practices that investment dealer firms and advisors are currently using when working with senior clients. And it covered a lot of areas in terms of training of advisors, how you um, identify signs of diminished capacity and elder abuse, ways that firms should um, look at their supervisory and compliance structures to meet the changing needs of senior investors. So, for example, that would mean looking at um, the suitability of products for seniors as part of a firm's overall product due diligence and new product approval process. Right. We're looking at a new product. The firm is thinking of introducing how, how does that help seniors and is it is it a good investment for seniors? And also in terms of um, advertising and marketing to seniors, uh, in, uh, internal processes for escalating issues. So uh, firms have been looking at this for a long time, but um, while that uh, report and guidance was very helpful, and we've also mentioned it to um, regular people out there who could be, look at this report in terms of things that they should be considering for themselves. Is their firm and advisor looking at these issues? Um, and also in terms of uh, the families of senior clients, how are firms making sure that their parents and other loved ones are adequately protected? Mm -hmm. But we realized, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm just saying yes, I, I'm following along. I, I think it's fascinating that people understand that this process has been under. So, so please finish your thought. Um, so, and while that was um, some uh, good first steps, firms are hungry for more ways that they can help their, their clients. Um, and some seniors are demanding it as well. Uh, so one thing that we've been looking at within the industry, and we've recently sort of joined forces um, in Ontario at least, 
the Ontario Securities Commission recently issued a senior strategy, and it aligned a lot with the work that the IAC was doing internally with our private client committee. Um, and that was looking at uh, a new initiative that does exist currently in the United States of a trusted contact person. Right. Um, and that would be uh, a way for firms to make sure that when they open an account, and it doesn't just apply to seniors, it would apply to anyone. Mm-hmm. You open an account, and is there, um, you ask the client, and it's their choice if they choose not to provide it, that's completely their prerogative, to put down a person uh, as their trusted contact person that the firm could contact in case of issues of diminished capacity, of potential suspect. suspect of elder abuse, yep. um, and that person wouldn't have any authority over the account. So, you know, for example, uh, uh, parents, uh, the you know, widowed mother lives in Calgary. No children are around. Daughter lives in Toronto. The advisor is starting to see some issues with their client. She seems to be a little confused. Sometimes seems unkept. Is making strange requests regarding her account. So that way the advisor would be able to pick up the phone and call the daughter in Toronto and say, you may want to check in with your mother. There's some things going on and we're a little bit unsure of whether, you know, uh, everything is all right. Can you, can you just touch base with her? And that's really sort of the main point. It's not for that daughter to take over the account or make any decisions, but just to be able for the advisor to know that there's somebody who can look out for their for their client. Really, more importantly, all clients, especially seniors, should make sure they have a power of attorney for property in place. Um, the fact is that a lot don't, um, and so this trusted contact person type of initiative would at least be a more less legal um, authority, but just a way to make sure that advisors have some way of making sure their clients are okay. So, Michelle, how do you, what would you recommend or provide some tips for people to kind of go through the process of who should that person or that contact person be? Because in your example, you picked, you know, they have, they're a widow and they have a they have a daughter out of the city or out of the province. And that I can see that happening. What other ways or what kind of process should a person be looking at to have this type of, uh, of selection made, which could be completely different than, for example, a power of attorney or an executor in your will? I mean, it, it really can be anyone. In, in the United States, where they have this as a new requirement as of February 1st, uh, it's really just someone over the age of 18 uh, with, you know, mental facilities in place, etc. But, it, I mean, it should be someone the person trusts. The, the problem is, unfortunately, is when you're looking at elder abuse, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, it's sometimes... I have a little pie chart in front of me that shows that um, one study showed that it was 40, the majority of those who abuse the elderly are um, adult children comprise 40% of that. Um, spouses are 15%. So unfortunately, it's those nearest and dearest who sometimes are can be the problem, but that's not that's not the case, obviously, for the majority of people. Um, so it can be a, uh, a child. It can be. Um, it, it cannot be the financial advisor. That is um, definitely something that shouldn't occur. Um, but a relative, a sibling, um, even a friend, um, or anyone else, really, who that um, client trusts, that 
can and is close enough to that person that they can make sure that they're uh, checking in with them and making right. sure things are okay. So let's say you do get appointed by, as a trusted contact person, and then the advisor calls you up and says, okay, we've, we've got some concerns. How, what do you need to do as that trusted person? Um, there would be no requirements, and I, I think for some firms, it makes them a little nervous that a trusted contact person um, has no authority or no requirements placed upon them. Um, but this is really just a first line of defense. If you're getting to the point of already having to contact a trusted contact person, that means the advisors have some issues. They're not just going to pick up the phone the first time they can't reach their client. So it's, it's at that point where they're asking the trusted contact person to check in with the client. Are they okay? Have a, you know, go in and sit down with them if there's concerns about diminished capacity. Call their lawyer. Is there a power of attorney already in place that that person knows about? Get that person involved. Get someone else involved um, and meet with the client to make sure that, you know, issues of abuse or diminished capacity, are they in fact present or not? And then the next question is what next steps may need to occur at that point. And so just for some of the people out there who are thinking, I have a living will or a personal care directive, I've selected a person that I trust to handle my health care, my, myself in the event, um, why not just go to them? Why, why are we picking potentially somebody different? Well, um, I should mention that there are two different, legally, there's a power of attorney for property and a power of attorney for health. Correct. Those are completely separate documents, uh, legal powers of attorney. So a living will, will for health is, is, it could be the same person that the person, the client appoints, but under law already, those are two different types of documents with right. um, potentially different individuals. Um, and it's really making sure that the advisor knows who that person is. It's, you know, the client may think that the advisor has that information. If we make it a requirement, a regulatory requirement, that the advisor at least has to ask the question, then it prompts the advisor and the client to have that important conversation of uh, powers of attorney, what to ha- what's to happen in the future, who are the right people to contact, because as we all know, nobody wants to talk about those types of uncomfortable issues. Yeah. Clients sometimes push back. Advisors sometimes feel awkward raising the issue of diminished capacity with their client. But if you have those conversations early, and again, we're talking about a trusted contact person requirement, not just for, say, over the age of 60 or 65, but for every client, because it happens at some point, could happen to all of us at some point. So the question is, why wait till 60? Why not do it when you're 40 or 30 and, and first uh, meeting with your advisor? And it's up to the advisor to ask those questions as well, as difficult as they may be, because um, for advisors as well, to get into an issue after the fact of a dispute or a complaint regarding, uh, you know, someone, a family member saying, you followed my mother's instructions and now she's depleted her assets, um, that's not a position any advisor wants to be put in later on. Very good. Michelle, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you very much for your insight. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. We've been joined by Michelle Alexander, Vice President of the Investment Industry Association of Canada. You know, this notion of uh, of, um, of health bucket 
and the effects it can have, the legacy, the effects it can have, you know, protecting yourself, the whole nine yards. It's all part of the sort of the wealth strategy, the conversation, the big picture conversation mm-hmm. about about retirement. Michelle is correct. It can These things can happen earlier. But the fact of the matter is, as we move and get a little bit older and move into that period that we often call retirement, these are the things that that, uh, that creep up on us. And we need to have that broader conversation. And we're going to have some of that conversation on our upcoming seminar. That's right. On Monday, this is a Monday, June 18th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. You want to know what the right age for retirement is? Stick around after the break and we'll tell you. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Um, interesting uh, couple of topics uh, so far um, uh, today, but I want to talk, I want to swing back to something we talked about at the beginning, okay? At the beginning of the show, the Beginning yes. of the show, because we talked a lot about, this was a crazy, really interesting week, <laughs> right? Because there was so much that happened. It was, um, you know, the news flow was just unbelievable. We haven't heard the end of the news flow, obviously, around, uh, you know, uh, global trade tensions and uh, negotiations and oh, the yeah. mudslinging or, or the trash talking that we're going to hear. It's going to be fascinating. You use the word tensions, my friend. You didn't mm-hmm. say war. You didn't say trade war. No, no. I think way too early to okay. declare that. I hear a lot of that in the news. Yep. But I have to tell you that the market doesn't see it as that, right? We we have some volatility. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Um, but uh, I would have expected much more volatility if the market was really pricing in a trade war because a trade war ultimately basically leads to um, a slowdown in global growth. Right, and a slowdown in global growth is going to affect profitability of companies, earnings, consumer spending, all of those things. Yep. Right, and we didn't uh, we didn't see last week a massive um, a, a massive amount of volatility relative to what I thought we could have if the market had interpreted this differently. So, is it a negotiation tactic, or is it the beginning of a trade war? Hmm. I mean, that chapter is yet to be written. So, Dave, what does all this mean? You know, pipeline, yep. NAFTA. Trade disputes, trade war, trade tension, whatever you want to call it. What does this all mean? We tied into it together. Yeah, so I don't mean to be flippant in my comment here, um, but whether it's we're talking trade tensions uh, today or pipelines, or we're talking OPEC's decision to cut or increase supply, or you're talking about the Italian elections or the Spanish no confidence vote, um, insert here. Okay, so there's always something going on. And um, what does it mean? Uh, it means that you better be properly, uh, you, you better have a good, strong investment thesis that you can take this information and compare it against the thesis because it's only in doing that that you can determine whether or not this is news or noise, right? And that's where we started the conversation this morning or the first segment of this show where we were talking about trying to distill that. And that's very difficult. It's very yeah. difficult for people and it often leads to emotional responses in investing versus um, proper strategy based on family dynamic, based on your goals and objectives as a family, based on the income, all of those things that you talked about in the first segment. Correct. And I think we're, we're, there's two different games that are being played from individual investors and advisors out there. Sure. Some are playing checkers. Every topic that comes up in the news, they react by making a jump. Right. Okay. When it comes to investing and managing your money as you transition to or live in retirement, it's a game of chess. You have to think four, five, six moves in advance, understand what each character or each piece can move to, 
and do. There's not two ways they can only move. They can move multiple ways with multiple different type of pieces. And you need to think six steps ahead. That's very difficult in the middle of of all this information being thrown at an individual or an advisor. And so this is where you need to ask the advisor or the advisor needs to ask themselves, what's the thesis that I'm investing on? What if I'm wrong and things are better? Because you could be wrong and things could be way better than what you're anticipating. Or if I'm wrong and things are worse. Right. What am I going to do? What's the playbook? And if you cannot get that answer, I would strongly suggest you have a, a deeper conversation with that advisor. And if you're an advisor and you don't have that, go get it because yeah. you need it. And I'm going to just leave you on this thought, and then we've got another topic to cover today. But uh, there should be no panic, okay? Sometimes uh, we talk to a lot of people, actually, and, and they feel panicked, like they've got to make a decision immediately right now. There's very little uh, that happens on a day-to-day basis that fundamentally changes in a massive way the strategy that you've got in place. Correct. Right? So it's a series of incremental changes. If structured properly, though, Dave. If structured properly. That's what I'm saying. And most people don't have their portfolio structured for their their phase of life, and that's why they're freaking out. Correct. And And I get that. That's what I was going to say. That's the gut check, right? If you feel panicked every day that you've got to respond to something, okay, there either isn't a proper strategy in place or you don't know what it is. Yeah. Because that should not be the feeling that you're having. Correct. Right? Uh, and that's a broad-based statement, but it is a general statement that you can use as a gut check to do that. Now, moving on, because we can, uh, we could kill this to death here. Okay, so let me let me let me start this next little piece here. U.S. personal finance expert Susie Orman yeah. is adamant that you you shouldn't retire until you're seventy years. years of age. Okay, she has a point. We're living longer, so it does make sense to work a few more years to stay active and build your retirement savings. Thoughts? What if I hate my job? Okay, what else? What if I don't need the money? Good. What if I don't want to? Yeah. I, I, when did we lose the concept of choice and ability to, to choose our, our future and our careers and our, and our retirements? The, the concept, and, and, and I, I, I really respect Susie Orman. No disrespect to her when I'm saying this. I understand where she's coming from from a mathematical perspective. And most Americans, just like most Canadians, don't have enough money to save for retirement or don't have enough savings for retirement. And so they do have to delay their retirement. I get that. But there are many, many Canadians that can just properly structure their financial and wealth and actually be able to enjoy their lifestyle in the time that they want to. Yeah, Susie Arman's a smart gal. She's uh, well-respected and well-written. Um, the problem with that statement, when you read it, it it's out of you know, the context. It is a, it's the rules of thumb, the blanket statements, and they don't apply, right? So in all due respect, that's right. Give, you know, Susie opines on a bunch of different topics here, but the fact of the matter is people need this. We, we speak to the process of retirement, okay? Is 70 the right number? Well, I remember very clearly early in my career when I was a rookie talking to um, a gentleman who was a doctor, a radiologist in Calgary. And he was 80 or 81 years old at the time, hmm. working full-time. He didn't need the money, trust me. He didn't need the money. I said, why are you doing it? I like what I do. That's a darn good reason I to think, keep working. I think we have to kind of look at, even earlier in our show, when Ken, the author, was talking about time and money. And this is the, the conversation right. that people need to have within themselves. And their spouses, right? They're, they're, right. Yeah. Do I have enough money to provide me more time? Because you can buy time. Yes. If you have to go to work, right. it's a different story. Right. 
But if you don't have to go to work, now you've been able to buy time by spending your savings to enjoy or do the things you want to do. Right. And if that means changing from an, an, a laborious job into a non-laborious job. Creative or something else. Or, or you just don't want to work anymore and you want to do the things that are on your bucket list that have nothing to do with your career. Right. That's okay. Right. But what needs to be done is you need to sit down and have a strategy. You cannot leave it up to, oh, I hope it works out. Well, you can, but you just might you can't. be. No, you can't because it may not work out. Why put that risk <laughs> on it all? I was going to say. So you can't do that, Dave. You can't just say, I hope it works out and leave and, and let your life continue on that way. That's I've seen some people do it. I know, but that doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is you need structure in that process. You need, an, you need a process. You need a strategy that matches, that provides you with income, growth, over the lifetime, reducing your tax strategy, making sure whatever's on your bucket list reaches its full potential. Yeah, and it starts with a, it starts with um, thinking a little bit about what your lifestyle is going to be, right? And then I think that Susie would agree with that. If if you're if you're sitting down, right? If you want to work to seventy, that's fine. Correct. It's choice. If you need to work for to seventy be, for financial reasons, okay, that's fine. But again, you can reassess what your lifestyle costs are. Maybe I don't need to be working full-time. I can be doing part-time. I can switch to something else. I don't get paid as much as I was, but you it's You have choice. Price. And that's all I'm you saying. Choice. Do not have this one-size-fits-all concept right. of you have to stay till you retire at 70 or anything anybody says. You, need, you, have, you have choice, but you need to do the analysis on that choice I and to see if it works. I agree. And in fact, that's, that's the entire conversation that we're going to have at our upcoming seminar. It's about bulletproofing your retirement. And it is a process of self-discovery working backwards from what that lifestyle is to make sure all the analytics are done and that you can, in fact, deliver uh, on, that, uh, on that vision that you've created for yourself and your family. And that'll be on Monday, June 18th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine and Spirits. You need to reserve your seat. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Retirement my friend is a human experience, and we talk to we talk to literally hundreds and hundreds of Calgarians every single year about that process, what they're dreaming about, what they envision, and what their fears are, right? And over the past nine years of doing of having this conversation, it's been very interesting to uh, to not only be able to provide that structure that you talk about, but to learn from people. Right, real people going through that process. And if you want to continue learning and understanding what your choices are in retirement, you can listen to these shows and your past segments on morethanmoneyradio.com or get them delivered directly to you by searching for More Than Money CHQR on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.